0: People have been asking me for years now, why I wouldn't tell them who killed Burke. And as you now know, it's because we don't know. But somebody out there does. And we're hoping to reach the widest possible audience so that that person might come forward. This series doesn't have to just reach the people who know about this crime, but people who know about any unsolved murders anywhere. But this is a deeply personal story for Rory and Carly and even Kenny, and they've joined me today for this episode. We haven't sat down in about two years. What's happened since then? Uh, Rory, do you want to start? Well, gosh, the last time that
1: I interviewed with you, I think I was, I think I gave birth three days later or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I was really pregnant. Um, And so I, you know, I had my daughter Goldie about two years ago and um, about six months ago, we actually had a son. So um, the last couple of years have been really busy, actually, because we've built our family and we're now a really kind of busy beehive in our home (laughs) of kiddos. And we've also moved out of New York City and we're living out west now. I'm continuing to work um, as a psychologist out here. So I'm in a good place. How about you, Carly? So in the past two years,
2: I've been doing a lot of adulting and building my own family. I got married this summer. Um, we have two kids, and we're living out west. Um, Rory and I live just a couple blocks away from each other, and so we're
0: just really starting our own family land out here. I want to ask Kenny, you have had, I, I know, and I want you to share with our listeners, some of the amazing things that you've done in the years since you um, left the NYPD. So if you could share a little bit of that.
3: Sure. Um, Well, I left the NYPD in 2006 and uh, I moved out west to Arizona um, and I started working in private enterprise. Um, I did that for about two years and then uh, I wound up going to Afghanistan um, as a contractor working with the U.S. military um, helping them with uh, counterinsurgency investigations.
0: How did being an NYPD detective prepare you for that?
3: Uh, well, you know, uh, New York City, being uh, one of the world's largest melting pots where you have uh, representation from just about every type of religion, um, ethnicity, uh, culture, uh, all different. All of these people come together in New York City, and, and being a detective, you, you, you deal with that on a daily basis. It doesn't matter whether you work out in Queens or Brooklyn or Manhattan. Um, I did 10 years in Brooklyn. I did 10 years in Manhattan. Uh, My last assignment with the NYPD was with the Joint Terrorism Task Force. And so I got to um, interact with the people of all over the world without ever leaving New York City. You know, it was almost like I trained for Afghanistan my 20 years with the NYPD.
0: Carly and Rory, you guys have developed this bond with Kenny over the years, but it must be a difficult bond in some ways because he must bring up such difficult memories. Um, what is that like, and what does your relationship mean to you? Kenny will
1: always and forever be inextricably linked to to Burke's case and what happened to Burke, Um Um, so there's no way that I'll not associate Kenny with what happened with Burke and so in some ways yeah it is it is a difficult bond Um, but in a lot of ways actually knowing Kenny and being a part of Kenny's life and having him be a part of ours has also been a real affirmation of life and of positivity and care and empathy um, and just good things in life because um, in a moment where we really actually needed a um, a kind soul who was really going to be smart and caring and competent and step in and, and really work hard on our behalf, he really did step up and, and really has been ever since. And so, as I said, while he's inextricably linked from this really horrible thing, he's also simultaneously very much um, a person who... Um, represents kindness and goodness in my life. And so um, I hope to have Kenny in my life always. Carly, do you feel the same way?
2: I guess I can echo what Rory says in terms of Kenny's always going to be associated in all of my memories with everything that's happened with Burke. I will say, though, that in my mind, Kenny was always somebody that really looked out for our family And I always felt really cared for by him throughout this incredibly difficult process.
0: This is such a personal story for the three of you, Rory and Carly especially. Now that it has been shared with so many people who didn't know Burke, what has that been like for you um, in terms of your own personal feelings and how people have been responding to you? I
2: feel like from the start we never really were given the option for this to not be something that was public, which has always been an odd experience for me. The loss of Burke is obviously so personal for me, for our family. And from the start, there was a lot of media involvement. And so it's sort of like a trauma within a trauma when it was happening. I then went on this Mission, I'll call it a mission with my dad in the months after Burko had died Because there was such a lack of resolve around Not knowing who did it In a lot of ways, I think that that time We needed to do that for our own family My dad really became fixated and kind of obsessed with figuring out who did this And at some point, it really became a hindrance in our healing process. I I actually can very vividly remember um, getting into a pretty heated battle with my dad about this, just saying, you know, we, we, we either have to let go of figuring this out, or I don't know how we move forward from here. But it's never sat well with me to not know who has done this.
1: Rory I think that the idea that the case has been, um, that the exposure of the case has been elevated to the extent that it has been is, I don't know, there are kind of pros and cons to that. In some ways, it actually feels potentially hopeful that the profile of the case could be elevated so that somebody hears about the case or sees something about the case and it could potentially move the case forward a little bit and that's the hope. And, you know, a lot of, Families who are in our position actually don't um, aren't afforded that opportunity, and so in a lot of ways we feel actually really grateful for that. Um, the the part that's hard, of course, is that it's um, it it does leave one feeling actually really quite exposed. Um, you know, there are people that learned about what happened to me through the course of this. Um, Show that maybe didn't before, and I've heard from people from all corners of my life who reached out in really loving and, and wonderful ways, and um, both feels um, really loving and supportive, and it's also just kind of a lot. At, at times, it's been overwhelming, um, but as I said, though it, it is an opportunity that we're grateful for because um, if we can move this case forward in any way, then then it will have been worth it, and. And if it doesn't result in that, that's okay, too. I do feel like even just trying um, is meaningful for us.
0: Kenny, I was around for other cases that you were on, and I saw that you had the same focus and care um, that we see in this case, but it wasn't the same. What made this case different?
3: Well, right from the beginning, uh, you can see that all of the O'Briens, um, they, were, they were all deeply affected by it. And I, and I don't say that because other family members that have lost somebody to a murder w- were not equally affected. Um, but there was just something about all of the O'Briens that really showed a cohesiveness and a closeness. And you knew that because one of them was now gone, that there was such a tear in that f- fabric that held them all together uh, and of course, being the, the lead detective, it, it's my job to sew that back. Um, and and it, there's going to be stitches there and there's going to be a forever uh, you know bump in that fabric. But I knew that, that that fabric had been torn and it was so tightly wound around all of them that just losing losing one of them um, was really uh, it just had reverberations uh, that I, I felt super responsible for. Burke is always there he's always with me um even when even during long periods of time when I when I didn't speak to Rory or Carly or, or Mark um and even after I retired you know Burke has always been uh, a part of me he's always this thought in my mind at a minimum and um to have Rory and Carly and Mark and all of the O'Briens just uh with me um is a cross that I bear, but it's it's it also brings me a lot of happiness to uh, to experience their life and to experience their life as closely as I have when it comes to marriages and births of new children and to see their family grow and 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 develop and uh, it, it really just um, it it gives me uh, just a really good good feeling inside.
0: I know it's rare that ABC had that kind of access to the NYPD. Can you talk about what it was like to have me and the other producer there while you were working?
3: You know, your access that you were able to get to the NYPD where you were in the cars with us, you were in the squad room with us, was absolutely unheard of. It was unprecedented. And um, I, I don't think even since then, it's. There's anyone anyone's ever gotten as close to the inside of the New York Police Department the way the way you have and the way ABC did. So, uh, no, this is really unprecedented.
0: We talked about this a lot in the past, but it didn't end up in the series, which is how could the witness, the original witness, have gotten everything so wrong? And he, when he really believes what he saw, how is that possible?
3: The human mind really tries to make sense out of everything it sees, tastes, smells, and hears. Uh, And when it can't rectify or it can't justify what it's seeing, it'll jump some gaps to make that connection. It'll jump things to to make sense out of what it's it's receiving. Um, This was the early morning of the hours. It was very cold. Very few people are outside. Um, The witness says he's walking down the street, hears a gunshot, then turns the corner and sees what he's what he thinks he sees his mind says there's a gunshot that means somebody somebody's in trouble he turns the corner and sees somebody laying on a sidewalk and realizes up oh, you know what that tells me this guy this guy must have been the guy that shot and the person next to him since he's standing must be the guy that shot him so that's where the mind makes those connections I really do believe that this witness was was honest and that he was trying to help he stuck around for as long as he could um, which is far more than anyone would have in this situation, and uh, and again, it just goes back to the human mind jumping those gaps and trying to make sense of uh, sensory perceptions of what it's receiving at that moment. I think that that you don't even realize you're doing um, when you when you're trying to make sense of something that something especially traumatic as this. When something like like that happens, um, you don't realize to the degree of the embellishment that you that you're actually creating. Um, and I and that's where I that's where I think happened. I think uh, you know he, he he's an honest guy. He wants to help, and he hears this gunshot. He turns the corner, sees what he sees. He sees the aftermath of this, and his mind immediately puts a connection together.
0: Kenny, how realistic do you think it is that we could actually find the killer?
3: Uh, well, you know I remain hopeful. Um, in something like this, you just you really never know. Uh, it takes it all. It takes is one person. To listen to this podcast and just just that one person can change everything and it's getting that information to that person and having that person with the right motivation to come forward and so um when you look at the realms the realm of possibilities um you know i still have i still hold on to a lot of a lot of hope that this can really uh, develop into something where where we might be able to get closure all of us and um I remain hopeful. I'm a little disappointed that we haven't received um, as many leads as we have, um, and that we haven't really received anything solid at this point. But, you know, my hope still, uh, still holds fast.
0: Some folks don't stop searching till they find the truth. If you've got a detective's eye, June's Journey is the game for you. Play as June Parker in a gripping murder mystery as you find hidden objects to help solve her sister's death. You'll hunt for clues in hundreds of beautifully illustrated scenes set in the Roaring Twenties. New chapters are added weekly. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android and iOS mobile devices as well as on PC through Facebook games. So what now? What can people do now to help solve this case?
3: I mean, obviously, I would love for somebody to to give us some really... Even as benign of information as they think that they might have, I would encourage anyone with information to call. If not for this case, then I, I hope that some good comes out of somebody listening to this or watching the docuseries that knows information maybe about another case that they can call up. And it doesn't have to be NYPD-centric. It could be anywhere. But if But if you have information that um, can really impact people's lives, then I would employ you to, to call, um, whether it's your local police department or the NYPD and really make a difference.
0: If nothing comes from this series and we don't find the killer, will you have regretted agreeing to do it and reopening old wounds? Rory? Um, for me, no, I won't.
1: Um, Because, I mean, to be honest with you, like, as you know, um, Burke will have been gone for 15 years in January, and so that reality, the reality that we might not ever find his killers has been one that we've been living with for a really long time, and to some extent we've we've made some peace, of course, with that possibility. Um, And while we hope that we'll be able to push the case forward, it's also very very possible that we won't and and we know that we're really realistic about that but there's something that for me um it it really counts to be able to fight for to continue to fight for Burke and to continue to to try you know a lot of a lot of murders go unsolved and we know that we're not alone in, in that experience which is you know horrifying what about you Carly
2: One thing that has really stood out to me about having this series come out, and your question about whether or not I would regret doing this, um, Burke was the start of a lot of loss in our family. um, And his death really was the, the start of that. And in some ways, this many years later, I find my own self that I kind of group that into the losses in some ways. And so I think one thing that's been most impactful for me as far as the series coming out right now is really just coming back to having to just sit with the
0: loss of Burke. One last question, Rory, what is something that you haven't shared before that you'd like us to know about Burke? Oh man, Uh,
1: to be honest with you, that's such a tall order because, um, to this day, I, I really don't know that I could ever love somebody as fully and deeply as I did my brother, Burke. And I, you know, I miss him terribly. And, you know, he was so strong and so compassionate and cared so deeply for his family and was such a, an adventurous, wild, amazing soul. Touched lives wherever he went. Like, I, I went to the playground one time with him and he was playing with all the kids and he was like this Pied Piper everybody was like chasing him around and I went to the next day and I ran into the one of the dads who'd been there the day before and he was like hey is, is your is your brother gonna come back like where's your brother <laughs> and you know it was just kind of like being in you know sort of a day in, in the life of being with him he really was um such a huge figure and um and we just miss him so so much and continue to be so proud of him and um we hope to honor his spirit always and forever and and we will
0: We've followed their story over the past seven episodes and the past 15 years. But it doesn't have to end there. With your help, this won't be the final episode of A Murder on Orchard Street. If you have any information, or know anyone who might have any information about this case, please call 800-577-TIPS. Thank you so much for listening. A Murder on Orchard Street is based on a video series I produced with Nightline. The podcast is written and produced by me, Jake Lefferman, and Susie Liu. Senior producer, Jenna Millman. Music by David J. Miller. Special thanks to the series editors, Carl Dawson and Diana Voza, and to Josh Cohen at ABC Radio. Executive producer, Roxana Sherwood. You can find our other podcasts at abcradio.com. Slash podcasts. I'm Christina Kylie.